Okay, as y'all are finding your seat, I'm going to do the unimportant announcements as y'all are finding your seat. Just kidding. Hey, okay, so uh, a few announcements for us this morning. One is we actually have uh, our women's retreat is coming up the weekend of October 8th. Whoop. Uh, we have two spots open now. Um, two people are not able to go anymore. So if you are a, a lady, or Jeremy sounds like he's going too from some of the announcements he's made. <laughs> but uh, seriously, if y'all want to go, um, we've got two spots now. So uh, we'd love to fill that up. And, and we are praying that the Lord would fill every spot and that that would be a great blessing to the women who are going to be on that trip. So uh, we do have QR codes uh, where you can register in the, I think on the welcome table. Is that right, Jeremy? Or in the back, Jeremy's got some too. Um, and you can also go on the website if you want to. And then uh, we've got a fall party coming up, guys. Um, October 22nd, Emily and Brian Bennett are going to host that. They've got an awesome, huge backyard um, where we are going to just hang out together and party. Um, there, is, there is power in getting together and just having fun and having a party. And uh, Jesus knew that very well. And so we are following in his footsteps. And so this is a, a great time for us just to, to be free and be together and, and continue getting to know each other and building this community. But it's also a great time to invite people who don't have a community because um, it's going to be very low barrier. Um, we're not going to do any Bible studying or uh, official get to know you games. We're not going to do anything like we just did here. So um, if you got folks that you're like, man, I'd really love to see them plugged into this, this body, then um, bring them. And that's the 22nd. More details on that coming. Uh, Thursday morning prayer, uh, you, you hear us talk about this all the time. But seriously, if y'all are, are just like treading water in your time with the Lord and you're trying to figure out like, okay, I know I'm supposed to pray. I know I'm supposed to get in the word. I know I'm supposed to feel something from this. Um, come and join. The, this is what this, part of what this time is for is we get together. We feel like this is the core of what's happening in Midtown West because um, God calls his church a house of prayer. And so um, it is certainly his intention that we commune with him individually, but also together. And so if, if we are going to follow his lead and follow his vision that he's given us, then we need to learn how to hear from him together and how to communicate with our father together with our brothers and sisters. And so 6 a.m. Thursdays, uh, we do it on Zoom so you can stay in your PJs. Uh, but we are, we've still got another week or two of um, just learning how to pray and talking about that together and practicing together. So please come be a part of that. Um, and then lastly, giving, um, we, giving, uh, is this beautiful, like two for one special that God calls us to where, um, he makes, uh, that's his design is that the church is not the marketplace. So he has his people out in the marketplace, uh, where they can actually make profit. Um, and then he has them giving to the church and that's how he sustains this. But also it's not just for the church, it's for everyone. Um, it's for the giver, it's for the one releasing their hands, on this thing called money that we think gives us power and control. And God's saying, hey, you, don't, you actually don't need power and control from money because you have me, you have your heavenly father. And so as you give, um, it's just a, a very healthy rhythm for your soul, for all of our souls as we give. So I uh, would encourage you to do that if this is your home. And, um, and also just wanna celebrate, um, thank you for giving. Uh, we have a budget that we are trying to meet and We've exceeded it. And so thank you all for responding to that call. Um, and what I want to do now, 
announcements are over in case you're taking notes on those. Um, what I want to do now is call up all of our worship team to come up to the front. We're going to commission our worship team and pray for them. So as they're coming up here, um, if you don't know, we are, we are maybe more than anything, God has made us worshiping beings. We are, we are people who are made to worship. And so um, as we, we certainly do that in the way that we live, the way that we, we worship God in our own. We worship God as we work. We worship as, as we love people, as we respond in obedience to him. But there is a special way that we worship together through music. And the Lord gives us music as this powerful gift so that we come together collectively as a body and worship him together. And, um, and so these people God has gifted um, to enable us to worship. So they are, y'all are a gift to us um, and just very thankful for y'all. But also wanna, wanna pray for you guys and for the work that the Lord's calling you to do. So let's, let's pray for these people. Father, we, um, we are worshiping people, whether we know it or not. And um, Lord, we thank you for the gifts. You, you tell us in Ephesians 4 that all these gifts, Jesus, that you give your body, um, are actually people. They're people that you have gifted, that your spirit indwells. And so thank you for these gifts, Lord. These men and women um, are, are gifted musically and gifted to lead us into worship. And so, um, Lord, we just say thank you for them. We ask that you continue to build them up. Lord, you continue to build into their creativity, build into their boldness and their courage. Lord, that they would lead us into worship. And so if that looks unorthodox, if that looks um, like something that we've never tried before, but you were putting it on their hearts. Lord, give them boldness and courage to lead us um, to follow you in those ways. Lord, give us uh, the humility that we need to follow them as they lead us into worship. Uh, Lord, I pray that this would not be a performance. I pray for the hearts of these men and women here that um, you would actually enable them to worship you as they're leading us in worship, that this would not be a performance that they're doing to try to be okay or to try to get our approval, Lord, but that they are up here knowing that they are so loved by you, by their Heavenly Father, and they are also loved by us, and um, so that they would be free, and you continue to mature them and grow them and nurture them as they lead us, that this would be a huge blessing to them as well. So, Lord, um, would you just bless the worship of this body and allow us to access you, to enjoy you, to um, find communion with you, and um, that this would be a, a great blessing and joy to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you all. Give them a hand. And now, Shannon, if you come uh, read our scripture for us this morning. Our reading this morning comes from Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on the wall, he will break down their stone wall. 
Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that we were repairing the walls of Jerusalem, and that it was going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop their work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the spaces behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Shannon. Before I pray for us, I just want to make a statement about something I said in the prayer a second ago. When I said that they would lead us in unorthodox ways, I wasn't using that in a technical term. We want to stay orthodox here, but just maybe new ways that we're not used to worshiping, okay? <coughs> so, Father, um, Lord, you are, you are Lord. I, I love um, the songs that we sung this morning and uh, what it reminds us about you, that you are always with us, you love us, you are always working, you are always working out your goodwill in our lives and in the world, even when we can't see it, even when it doesn't feel like it. So Lord, I pray today specifically that you would, Holy Spirit, open our eyes, give us wisdom and discernment uh, to see the places where we are uh, being opposed and maybe don't even know it, Lord, so that you would do a good work in us, you would continue to mature us and grow us and strengthen us for the work that you have given us to do with you in your power. And ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I want to ask this question. Have any of y'all seen the show Love on the Spectrum? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Two. Um, we, we just found out there was a second season, and so Lee and I watched a couple episodes last night. And it is delightful because this is about folks that are on the autism spectrum and they are interested in dating and finding love and so they work with this relationship coach and she helps them kind of think through how to carry conversations on a date and, and all this kind of stuff and there's this one scene uh, this this young man named Ronan who is they're all Australian so they have great accents too 
Um, he's like 21 years old, never been on a date before, and he really wants a girlfriend and wants to find love. And so this relationship expert, Jody, shows up, and she's asking him questions. You know, Ronan, so when you think about having a girlfriend, what does that mean to you? And he said, it means like I feel warm and comfortable. There's no problems, and you're happy and calm. And Jody said, I wish there was no problems, but when you have a girlfriend, there's still problems. And he just stares at her and says, still problems? <laughs> like his dream had just been dashed. And then she goes on to tell him that it's really a beautiful thing, and it, and it is really hard, but it's worth it. And I thought, wow, okay, I and we are like Ronan when it comes to following God and, and his work and building the kingdom. Um, you know, you think about as we're going through this series on Nehemiah, the things that we've already heard that he's experienced, the way that the Lord has carried him and spoken with him and opened doors for him, it'd be very easy for him to think, okay, this is just, the path is paved and it's smooth sailing. And then we get to this passage, even before this passage, but especially in this passage, and see all this opposition. And it's so easy for him, it's so easy for us to think, okay, whoa, like we're, we're on the wrong path. Maybe God isn't with us. Maybe this is not what we're supposed to do. And so just um, highlighting the importance of our expectations. Um, our expectations, having the right expectations are key as we follow God in the life, in the work that he's called us to do, in the, in the love that he's called us to uh, pursue other people with. And so I just want to get this out on the table. Um, I, I believe that there are probably a lot of us, there are a lot of ways that a lot of us are being opposed and we don't even know it. We can't even see it because we, we don't, uh, we haven't been given the glasses to see through that like all these different ways in which we're just generally feeling discouraged are actually opposition. And so one of the things that I expect from today is that I'm expecting and asking the Lord to open our eyes to see this opposition, to have right expectations about what it is to follow Jesus and um, to be strengthened as we pursue him and we pursue the, the life and the, the things that he's called us to. And so just want to get this on the table if, if anybody was confused. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Indeed, all, every single one, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Period. There's no exceptions. Everybody who is trying to follow Jesus is going to face opposition. And so in this passage, if you, if you really look at the, the way this, these 14 verses are structured, um, I call it, it's like going down deeper into the octagon. It's like as Nehemiah is trying to pursue Jesus, trying to lead these people in following God for this vision that he's given him, um, it is this downward spiral. You see it three times. It repeats three times, and each time it gets worse and worse. And it's like, man, you got to be tough. Like, you got to be strong. You got to know where you're going because it is, the intensity is going to get turned up. And what this cycle is, is it's these three things. It's opposition, prayer, and then acting in faith. And so there's, there's three different cycles of this in this passage, and it's really summarized in, in his call to the people in the last verse of this passage. Nehemiah says, do not be afraid of them. Like, you will be opposed. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Go to him. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then finally, act. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And so this is really, this is the pattern of this passage. And so first, looking at opposition, um, this call to not fear the enemy, we know that behind 
all human enemies, everyone who feels like an enemy to us is the enemy. Um, if you're a Stranger Things fan, it's like the mind flayer. <laughs> he is behind all evil. He gets in your thoughts and in your minds, and he uses people like puppets to do his will. And so that is what is happening um, with the evil one. That is reality. That's not just this fantasy science fiction tale. That is what is happening on a spiritual plane in the world. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In 1 John 5.19, John says this, For we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so when, whenever we face what feels like opposition from physical human enemies, we know that really ultimately behind that is this deeper opposition. There is this force of evil that is at work in all of the world and all of those who are not in Christ actively fighting against the will of God, actively seeking to destroy and burn to the ground all of God's people and all of his work. And so now we when we read this passage, we can actually see it with these two different lenses. We see how the evil one's working here through these human opponents, but we also, that's important for us because it's the same evil one. He is at work in the same way in the world throughout history because he is the same. He doesn't change. He's doing the same thing and he does it in the same ways. And so here we see in our passage, these enemies, we've already talked about, these are the the, the people who are ruling other provinces that are surrounding Jerusalem, and they loved having Jerusalem be the walls down, the defenses broken, the people broken, so that they could take advantage of them, so that they would remain vulnerable. And so now, as Nehemiah is there, and he's building the people up, he's building the city up, they are raging. They are so angry because they are no longer going to get to take advantage of these people like they've been doing. And what happens is, when, when these people, when the evil one too rages, uh, it reveals a weakness. There is a threat. Anytime there is rage, it means there is a threat. Something is being threatened, and it actually reveals his weakness. And so this passage from Revelation 12 is, is really, I think, instructive for us of how we think about the evil one and his work in the world. And it says this, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, that's Satan, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him. That's us. That's the saints. Those are the people who are in Christ. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by what Jesus has done, and by the word of their testimony testifying to God's love for us, testifying to his salvation, testifying to his making us his sons and daughters. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea. Why? For the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So we have a raging enemy who has already been defeated, but who is he is so angry and always at work to destroy, as Jesus says, to steal, kill, and destroy as much as he can, as fast as he can, because he knows that he is defeated, and he knows that his time is short. So we want to just stop here and celebrate the fact that our enemy has been defeated, okay? Your enemy has been defeated. Our enemy has been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 says this, 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? See, we are afraid of him because of what we think he can do to us. We're afraid of him because we're afraid of death. Because we're afraid of death because of our sin. And we're afraid that when we die, there's something that's going to happen to us that's going to be terrible because uh, we know that we deserve death. And Paul says here, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has taken away everything that we should be afraid of with, with sin and death. And so the evil one has, has no real power anymore. He has been defeated. But that doesn't stop him from raging. And so looking at the first three verses of our passage here, what does he do in his rage through his puppets, through those that he works through? Um, well, he does a, a lot, and it, a lot of it is displayed here in these verses, but um, he accuses, he mocks, he discourages, he intimidates, he threatens, he lies, he distorts your reality, he confuses you, he distracts, he shames. Like, look at, look at what um, Sambalot says here. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? What he's saying is like, look at, look at what your sin has done. Like your city will never be the same again. It's too late. Look at what you've done. You are a failure. And the evil one speaks that way. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I just have to stop and say, I don't know if any of y'all know like the old Saturday Night Live skit, Hans and Franz. Um, that's all I could think about when I read this passage with like the little Tobiah, the little hype man in verse three. He's like, yeah, your world is so puny that if a little fox goes on it, he would break it down. He's like, he's like standing behind him. Like, I want to get him. I want to get this in too. But like, that's, yeah, I know it's, that was wonderful what I just did. Um, but that's, that's how he works. He, he can really only threaten these things. He can scare us out of reality and into to this, you know, just this echo chamber, or we could, call, we could call it Satan's chamber music. And what happens is um, all these voices start swirling, and there's a part of us there in our flesh that, that wants to agree with what he has to say because we know how sinful we are. We know where we've been apart from Christ. We know where we've been in disobedience to him. And so when he starts speaking to us like this, when he starts mocking us and shaming us, and telling us that, you know, you don't deserve love, then it's really easy for us if we're not careful to agree with him. Say, oh my gosh, you're right, and now I'm terrified. And now my life's just kind of spinning out of this anxiety loop of trying to go find life on my own terms because surely I can't trust God, I can't take him at his word that he really loves me and that he's always with me. And so what happens is what starts to happen in verses 10 through 12 in our passage. It's, it's really easy to read this and not really understand what's happening, but as this spiral, this cycle continues to intensify, what's happening in verse 10 is, is what the enemies are saying is, is bled into the people themselves, and they are saying the same thing that the enemies are saying. Because these enemies are coming in the presence of the builders, and they are trying to discourage, they're trying to do all the things we just talked about. And what happens as, as that spreads and those lies start to take root in the minds of the people, 
now the people themselves are saying, hey, you know what, they're right, look at this. Look at this wall, look at how terrible this is. Look at how much rubble there is. There's no way that we can rebuild this. And then as they start to threaten the people's families who are living far away, who've come in to rebuild the wall, now the families start to come. And that's what it means when they said, um, they came to us and 10 times said, please come home. Like these guys are out here saying that they are gonna come and kill us and burn our houses down. And you're in here building the wall. You can't be building the wall. You gotta come back and protect us. And so now all of a sudden it's this echo chamber and, and all of the enemy's threats and lies and discouragement are coming from even the people's own voices. Even in the people's own hearts, it's already taken root. And so we wanna just stop here and ask um, where does he attack us like this? Where does he attack us when we are building walls and gates? And I, I just want to be real um, out there with you guys about this. Not so long ago, like since I've been on staff at Midtown, uh, because of my, my own stuff that I'm working through and the voices of a couple well-placed, uh, discouraging people in my life, um, I was having a conversation with Lee about, well, like, am I really called to do this? Am I really called to be a pastor? Is, are, is this a mistake? And maybe we need to be somewhere else. Y'all, like it's powerful. It's, it's around every corner. And thank God he didn't allow that thought to stick in there for very long. But he is always working. The enemy is always working through the people who feel like our enemies. Maybe we do have real enemies. I mean, it's, it's easy to think about enemies in, in other countries where people are actively being persecuted. Um, maybe not so much for us, but maybe so. And these voices come from just the world, our, our culture, um, and the forces that oppose the gospel. Uh, but you know what? They also come from our own, us. They come from each other. They come from our, our friends and family uh, when, when people are feeling low. And they, they also come from within ourselves, the way that we speak to ourselves in the quiet of our own thoughts. And so I want to just ask this question, where does... Where does he attack us as we are building walls and gates, as we are pursuing Jesus in this life of, of evangelism and discipleship, following him in the Great Commission? Well, evangelism. Like, who am I to share the gospel with somebody? What if this person doesn't like me anymore? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? Um, in prayer, maybe prayer is intimidating, and I don't really know how to pray, and so instead of asking someone, which is totally fine and normal and good, maybe I'll just shut up and, and resign to the fact that I'll never be able to pray, and I just won't. Unity in the body. It's really good to just stop and think about expectations here. Um, I've been having these conversations with people going through our new members class, um, and I want to hear an audible response from you guys. I think it's really healthy for us. Do you all know that at some point I will disappoint you? Okay. Do you know that I might even sin against you? Okay, do you know that as you pursue relationships with each other for the purposes of growing in the body the way that we are called to, that you will hurt each other's feelings? And so what do we do when that happens? If we don't know that, then we're just sitting ducks and we're gonna get picked off because what happens is when you offend somebody, when you sin against somebody, when somebody sins against you, then you just back away from the table you know what, I'm done here. I thought this was the magical place where everything was perfect. It's not, so I'm gonna go find that place somewhere else. 
But no, 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 the Lord calls us in. He's like, I know who you are. I know you guys are knuckleheads. I know y'all are like still sinners. Like, and I've still called you to be tight and unified in this body. So when you sin against each other, when you step on each other's toes, you move in, you don't move out. You move toward the person and say, hey, when you said that, it really hurt my feelings and we need to talk about it or whatever it is. Um, doubting God's love for us reading the tea leaves of my circumstances at any given moment and saying, oh, this is my life? Well, God must not love me. This must all be a, a bunch of garbage. Worship. Now, what I'm about to say, I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to say it. Lee's nervous right now. When we are um, just in this season of COVID, I know that there are legitimate, I've had conversations with them, legitimate issues where people are like, hey, we're in a compromised situation. We're not going to be back in worship even though y'all are wearing masks right now. That's healthy I I mean I get that you're following your convictions what is different and I think is where like the evil one is sliding in is like if I stop and look at my life it's amazing that COVID only impacts my ability to worship I'm still going on vacation I'm still going to the office my kids are still in school I'm still hanging out with people I'm going to restaurants I'm going everywhere but man I just hate that COVID is keeping me from worship and small group and I really that's like the only thing it's keeping me from but it's just tough you know, like, think about it. Confessing sin, I can't confess sin to you because what are you going to think of me? And the Lord's like, hey, confess your sin to one another so that you can be healed. And we're like, nope, not doing that. So we just sit on it and let it fester and it gets worse and worse and worse. And you know what? I've had a few conversations with some of y'all this week. Leadership. There are many, many of us who are like, who am I to lead anybody in anything? Yeah, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have what you need. If God is calling you to lead something or someone, you have what it takes. You have this body of people around you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have his word. You have even the mind of Christ. And so where do we go when we're, when we're confronted with this opposition, um, he says, remember your God. He goes to prayer each time that he is confronted with opposition. He doesn't go to Sambalot and Tobiah and is like, yeah, well, your wall's the one with the fox on it, okay? He, he takes all of this that he's absorbing from these people and he goes to Jesus. And he's saying, God, please help me. What is happening? Like, you called us to this, and this is awful. You know, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Psalm 62. It says, people pour out your hearts to God, for he is a refuge for us. Whatever is happening, you go to your God who loves you, and you tell him about it and say, I hate this. I hate that this is happening. I hate that this is my circumstances right now. Lord, please bring justice. Look at what these people are doing. It's awful. Just go to him and, and let him speak back to you as you tell him what all is on your heart. Let him tell you what's on his heart as well. And that's how we are strengthened. That's how we are reshaped. That's how he meets us in these places. It's like, it's like Ronan from Love on the Spectrum. It's like he doesn't know. We don't know. We, just, we need to go to our Father. Everything we are facing is for the first time. It's all new, and we need to go to someone who knows and say, will you help me sort this out? Because right now, I hate what I'm experiencing. I hate what I'm feeling. I hate what I'm seeing. Will you please help me? 
And, you know, like here in verses 4 and 5, he's really like, he's calling down justice. And, and for us, that gets real gray real fast because our enemies a lot of times aren't so black and white. It's people that we love who are doing maybe terrible things to us in the moment. And so it's like, well, I, I'm not going to like call down fire from heaven on these people because I, I love them too. And then I start thinking about myself. And it's like if I'm asking for God's like 100 proof, like undiluted justice, then that's really scary for me to be calling down because I look at the way that I live. So then it's like I'm in this really confusing place, but um, Jesus says you don't have to be confused because now we have a power in Christ to do what he says in Matthew 5, which is, hey, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Don't, don't sit back when it's in your power to do something. Defend and, and fight in the ways that I'm calling you to fight, but like also love them. You can fight against the evil that's happening and still love your enemies because that's a power that we have in Christ now. And look at God who does this. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we're reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Because this God loved us when we were enemies. And so now his love is operating in us and through us to do powerful things, to transform people's lives, to transform the world through the love of Christ being shared with one person at a time. And so it's this going to God, remembering who he is that allows me to act in faith, that allows me to fight, that allows me to build and to do so without fear because I know him and his love for me. As I was thinking about this passage this week, a verse from 2 Samuel uh, came to mind, and I think this is just a beautiful picture for us. This is um, Joab, who is David's commander of his army, who's speaking this. This is 2 Samuel 10, 12, and he says this as, as they're about to go into battle when they're surrounded on all sides. He says, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. We may go down. God's plan may be for us to experience great pain and suffering. I don't know. But all I know is that he loves us. I don't have to be afraid of whatever is about to happen. And I know my future. I know my hope. And it is secure in Christ. And so I can act in faith. I can continue in obedience no matter where opposition is coming from. And I love in verse 6 where he just says, uh, all this stuff is still going on. And he took all this to the Lord. And I don't think anything really changed. And he just says in verse 6, so we built a wall. So we just kept building. You know what? We didn't feel good about it. We were suffering, we were hurting, we weren't encouraged, but we just built because that's what we do. We know this God. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know this God who's called us to build, and we're just following him and building. And so now I have to ask this question. Okay, for us, for Nehemiah, for, for God's people here, like God has clearly called them to this, and he is allowing this opposition. Why? Why is God allowing this opposition? Well, we could, we could spend a whole day, a whole year on this, but um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, this is Paul experiencing the same thing. And he says, but Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, 
hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God allows opposition because he is strengthening us and he is also revealing our weakness and showing us that it is okay to be weak because we are united to him and he is strong. And as we are weak, his strength shows forth and that leads to worship, that leads to faith, that leads to uh, everything that we were made for and more of it. Because we see this one who is with us, we don't have to be strong in our own strength because he is strong and he loves us and he is calling us to just trust in him and be with him. And so as he calls us to build, verse 13, uh, he says, so in the lowest parts and in the open places, I station the people with their swords. Um, we, are, we are now called to build and fight. We are always called to build, always called to move out in discipleship, move out in evangelism, but we are also always called to fight. We've got to fight for our brothers and sisters. We've got to fight for one another. You have to fight for me. I have to fight for you because we are going to be attacked. The evil one is sending these fiery darts left and right to just take us out. And that's why we've got to be together. That's why we've got to come together like this. We've got to come together in smaller settings and have these deep relationships with each other because you've got to have voices in your life who are saying, hey, I think you're believing something that's not true because remember, Jesus loves you and he died for you and he said he would never leave you. And let me pray for you and you pray for me and let me tell you my sin. Let me tell you the stuff that's eating my lunch and get it out there so that Jesus can bring healing through that. And man, that's powerful when that starts to happen. That's exactly what we are called to. And so um, what I wanna do now is just end with this thought that... Um, what Nehemiah says to his people in, in verse 14 is that um, Jesus, our greater Nehemiah, is saying this to us. Do not be afraid of your enemy because he has been defeated. Remember who your God is. He is great and awesome, and he loves you, and he used his greatness and awesomeness to lay himself down so that you could be with him forever. And fight Keep building, keep fighting, because you're fighting and building in my power, not your own power. And you don't have to worry. Keep building, keep fighting, keep laying your life down to follow Jesus in love, and that's how you're going to find it. And so what we're going to do for a few minutes here, not as long as I'd hoped, but i um, actually going to have a few minutes of guided prayer. And I just want to lead us through this prayer and see what the Lord would would reveal to us through this and um, maybe write some of this down so you can have more time when you leave here to, to keep sitting with this. But yeah, pray with me. Jesus, would you please show me where the low places in my life are? Where am I most vulnerable to attack? Will you please open my eyes to how the enemy is working and speaking in my life right now? Where he might be accusing me, mocking me, trying to threaten or intimidate, lying to me or confusing me, distorting my reality. And what are the different voices he's using to speak these 
things to me. Jesus, will you, will you show me the effects that this is having on me and on the people in my life and, and even on this community? How it's preventing me from meeting you in prayer? How it's preventing unity in this body? How it's destroying my understanding of, of what's true about your love for me? how it's preventing me from confessing my sin to others and finding healing. How it's keeping me from building the walls and gates that you're calling me to. Jesus, will you remind me of what's true? Will you open my heart and my mind to believe what is true and to be defined by this truth? Will you teach me to pick up the sword of the Spirit and allow others to swing the sword of the Spirit for me? Second Thessalonians 3 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Philippians 1 6. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted as we are in every respect, but without sin. And we can draw near in confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jesus, what, what are you calling me to do in your strength? 
Where are you calling me to build? Where are you calling me to fight? For my own soul? For my family? For my community? For those who don't know you? Jesus, we ask that you would um, lead us. Lord, you would expose the opposition. You would take away our fear. You would drive us to a deeper dependence on you and that you would enable us in your power that is ours now to fight and to build for the sake of you and for the sake of others and, and find life there. And ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.